What's up, coders? I'm sorry about the echo in this room. I'm pretty sure that this is one of the worst rooms I've ever been in for echo, and I'm going to have to find out a way that I can get rid of it by using blankets or something like that. Anyway, let's move on to the podcast. So over the past couple of weeks, I think it's been now, I've been working on a Firebase Composables um Composition API, well, obviously it's Composition API, hence the word composables. Uh, I've been working on a package that basically makes it really easy to interact with Firebase. And there's actually a bit of a story of how I came to this. So a lot of people ask about Firebase. And at first I was kind of resistant to creating a Firebase Quasar type tutorial um, simply because I didn't use Firebase that much. But then I thought, you know what, I'm just going to, if people really want it that much, it's obviously something that's um, important. So I need to take the time to learn it, to learn it properly and to learn how to integrate it with Quasar properly so that I'm actually teaching people the right thing. Because I think a video that's specific to Firebase and Quasar is probably going to get quite popular. So, you know, it needs to be done right. So I started working on creating a um, video series for Firebase. And I quickly realized that, it's first of all, it's not as simple as I thought it would be. Like getting set up with Firebase is quite simple and getting data set up is quite simple. But I feel like doing things the right way wasn't as simple as I thought it would be. So for example, um, structuring your data in Firebase the right way so that you can use rules correctly or in Firestore if, um, if you're using Firestore. Um, yeah, you know, stuff like that wasn't so easy and it took me a while to understand how to create a good Firestore structure for people owning data. And I'll give you an example of that. If you have a user in your database, oh, actually, let me take a step back. The other thing is making sure that when you create a user account, it ends up in Firestore so that you can start attaching data to that user account. Uh, and that kind of, I guess, depends on how you want to handle your data. But I wanted to set it up, and I think a lot of people probably do it this way, so that when you register an account, it creates a user as well. And so one of the problems that I ran into is in Firebase, it's the way this works is kind of flipped. Most of the time, a user registers, and then the client, their computer is the one that sends a request to the back end to Firebase to then create the user. So... It's not like the user's created and then they're added to Firestore on the back end. The user's created on the front end. Sorry, the user's created and then the front end creates the user itself. It's Anyway, it's kind of confusing and I was like, oh, this is weird. And there's a way you can do it not that way, but you need to use cloud functions and you have to set up a credit card to use cloud functions. So I'm thinking, well, I'm not going to go ahead and do that. Um, so, yeah, oh my goodness, I've lost where I was at now. Right, so handling um, user, basically policies around user data. So the next thing I thought was, okay, cool. Now that I've got all of these users in Firestore, how do I make it so that users can quote unquote own data? So for example, if they, if it's a note keeping app, you want to make it so only the user that is authenticated can view those notes. And it was kind of it wasn't that, I don't want to say it's too complicated, but I had to write like figure out how to use their policy system to be able to basically say um, an authenticated user can view any data within that user, right? So if you imagine a user object at the top of the tree and then everything below that user is then um, accessible by that user. Now, the problem with that though is it's not very easy to then handle public and private data. So if you have a user and only they can access all the data below them, 
then if they want to make a note public, for example, that's difficult to do. And you don't want to duplicate the data um, and have like a public version of that data because then you have got two pieces of data that you need to keep in sync, which is a terrible idea. Um, if Sorry, I don't want to offend you if you're listening to this and that's something you're doing. Um, but in my experience, um, it's not a great idea because you have data syncing issues and it's just, it can lead to some serious problems. So then I realized there's actually other ways to approach this. I haven't gone that deep into it where basically you try and keep your data a bit flatter. So for example, you have a root post um, place to keep your posts. You might have a root comments place to keep comments, for example. And then each post or each comment will then have a user ID on it. So you know who owns that comment. And then you can say, for example, if that comment is public, then anybody can view it. If it's not, then people can't view it. Okay. So anyway, you get the point. So the point I'm trying to make is I started building this series and I thought, this is all too complicated. And then I started building composables, right? So that we could deal with Firebase um, and deal with like synchronizing data and I went online and all the stuff is for Firebase 8 and there's nothing for Firebase 9 yet. So everything's like out of date in the view world, uh, which is understandable because Firebase 9 came out kind of recently. Uh, but, you know, all of this kind of piled up and it got me thinking, I don't want to do a Firebase series if it's going to be sloppy, if it's going to take, you know, more effort to set up Firebase than it does Laravel. You know, it should, Firebase should definitely be easier than a full stack framework like Django or Laravel or whatever because it's doing so much of the heavy lifting for you with the back end. And so I thought, all right, stuff it. I'm just going to build my own Firebase composables library. Um, when I was playing around with Firebase, I kind of half built it anyway. So I thought, all right, let's just turn this into a package. And believe it or not, I've actually never built an open source package before. I mean, I kind of have. I've built code that's open source, but I've never built something that, you know, people might actually consume and use on a regular basis. And so that kind of led me down this path of, right, how do I build an open source package and do it um, the right way? And I tell you what, it's been quite a learning experience. This, And it's it was easier to build the code for the package. I would say I spent about 20% of my time building the actual code for this package and the other 80% learning how to do package stuff, you know, um, publishing it to NPM the right way, make sure that I'm building it the right way so that it's um, got different files like ES modules and then um, CommonJS and, you know, dealing with all that kind of stuff as well. And so I thought I'd just do a quick podcast and we're already like almost seven minutes in, so I wouldn't call this a super quick podcast. Um, but we're, I just wanted to let you know some of the things that I've learned along the way and um, some ideas I want to help uh, that you might want to follow if you're building a package. And I'll probably end up doing a series on this because I found uh, the information on building a view package a little bit lacking in the community, which is kind of understandable because it probably changes quite a lot and it's kind of difficult to build an article or a video series on this. But anyway, here's some of the ideas that I thought of. The first thing is to take the time to learn how dependency resolution works. I had a very vague idea of how it worked. I never had the need in my life to go deep into how dependency resolution works. And just stuff like understanding what a peer dependency, not just what a peer dependency is, but what that means as well for as a package developer. So I'll give you an example of this. Um, originally, I just had Firebase 9 as a dependency, right? I didn't really think of it through much. And the problem with having it as a dependency is it means that um, because of the way Firebase works, whenever I referenced Firebase, I wasn't referencing a global version of Firebase, right? So if somebody sets up a default um, Firebase setup, 
uh, and then my package has its own Firebase setup. They're, they're different, right? I've got different versions um, of Firebase sitting in the code. And that caused all sorts of issues. So the way I solved that was setting Firebase as a peer dependency. So that means I just need a document. Hey, when you're installing this package, make sure you install Firebase 9 at the same time, right? And then that basically means that when people bring in my Firebase Composables package, they're not bringing in Firebase as well. Um, They're expected to bring in Firebase themselves. And the repercussions of that is, is that whenever I point to Firebase in my code, I know that it's the same Firebase in the user's code, right? So that's kind of hard to um, explain, but it basically means, I guess you could say the global version of Firebase is going to be the same um, and it's not going to have different versions of it. So that's one of the things I learned, learning about how dependency resolution works. Um, So tools like Yarn Link, understanding how that works, it's actually not very friendly when you're dealing with peer dependencies and there's all kinds of like things that can go you know, little corner cases that you need to learn about there. So that's the first thing, dependency resolution. Now, the next thing is write the API before the code. And this is something that I tend to do anyway and something that I think is very important. And I call this dreaming at first. Dream up what you want your API to look like. What is the cleanest possible API for what you're trying to build? At work, we actually, for some packages, we actually go further than that. And we write the documentation first. And I've actually podcasted about this in the past. Um, And if you're doing TDD, then it's even better still because you have to write the API first if you're doing TDD, which is one of the great things about TDD. Um, But one thing I like to do is I like to just open up a Miro board, which is what I use for whiteboarding, get out a piece of paper even, and just dream it. Just be like, what is what would make this an absolute joy to use? What would make this package wonderful to use? And that's what I try and do when I build stuff at work. And that's what I'm going to try and do with this Firebase Composables package. So write the API before the code. And in some cases, you might even want to write the, doc, the whole documentation um, before you do bits of the code. But it kind of depends. Uh, you know, there's kind of a line there because... If you're still in the kind of the experimental phase, you've never really built this code yourself, you haven't used it in the real world, then documentation first might be too much. Um, you might want to nut out the API, play around with it, change the API and kind of tic-tac back and forth there. But if it's something that I understand really well and I've gone deep on the topic, then I want to go do an, a documentation first approach. All right, so moving on. Next is read the roll-up docs while looking at other packages. So I went to the roll usually by the way you're using roll up to um to build your files. There's other ones out there like ES build um and technically you can use webpack but usually webpack is actually used for the actual development of a project not for building packages. Uh, that's something I didn't know before and you might not have known that too. Like when you're building packages you usually use something like roll up to build it when you're building an entire site you use something like Webpack or Vite in that case, right? So Webpack and Vite are not for building packages. They're for building um, applications. Something like Rollup or ES Build is what you use to, to build packages and to build like the final code that then gets used with something like Webpack or Vite. All right, so hopefully that made sense. Yeah, so, and the reason I say read the docs while looking at other packages is because the docs don't make a lot of sense sometimes without context. So what I did is I found packages I trust, like VueXORM and the Orion TypeScript package. I looked at those packages um, 
and at the same time, I read the uh, uh, roll-up documentation so that I had a little bit of context of how roll-up was being used in the real world. Right. Um, I ended up using Vue XORM more than Orion TS because I think Orion actually uses an, an, an even simpler setup, whereas mine ended up needing to be um, more complex, um, unfortunately. So, yeah. So, tic tacking between reading the docs and then reading something like the Vue XORM library or the Vue X um, uh, code base as well, or basically any code base written by somebody that you trust. Maybe even the Vue code base. To be honest, I haven't looked at the Vue code base much, but you know, its build process might give you a good an idea of how you want to build your build process as well. All right, so that you know that'll give you a big head start and help a lot understanding the roll-up docs and understanding how it works in the real world at the same time. Now the next one is take the time to get your dev environment right. Oh my goodness, this was a big one for me, and it took a long time for me to figure this out, um, especially the whole like using Yarn Link with peer dependencies and um, whether or not I should use Yarn Link and you know whether or not I should just point to the files by using dot dot slash in my package.json. Oh my goodness, I went through so many iterations. And the thing I ended up landing on is um, using a monorepo. That helped a lot um, for me to be able to develop um, an ex- create like examples of my project whilst being able to actually develop the code at the same time. All right, so that's the first thing. I like using monorepos, and I think I would for just about any package unless it's really a really basic um, package. Um, I like monorepos because you can do examples and the work for the actual package at the same time. Setting up your documentation, uh, I used uh, ViewPress, the, the next branch of ViewPress, you might want to use, I think there's one called VPress. There's like other stuff out there as well. So, But just getting a, a good process up for documentation. Uh, and you might want to save that step for later on until you kind of got a good feel for the app and all that's working. But then sooner rather than later, I think it's a good idea to start getting the docs up so you can start writing your docs and making sure that they look really nice. All right, so that's the other thing. And, you know, stuff like watches, making sure that you've got a uh, roll-up set up with watch. Um, so that, you know, as you make code changes, you get that instant feedback. You know, all those little bits and pieces, making sure that your dev environment is really, really nice to use. So now when I started up, I've got my docs ready to go. Um, I've got my examples package ready to go. And I've got a watcher on my um, on the core package itself. So then I can tweak the examples, use those examples in the documentation, um, change the code if I need to make changes here and there. Because often when you're writing docs, you realize things that you've done wrong in your code or things that don't look as clean as you wanted them to look, you know, stuff like that. So making sure the dev environment isn't really stellar. And the last thing, and this is really important I found out, is create an examples project. Um, And not just for users, not just so users know how to use your package, for yourself as well, uh, so that you know that things work, um, uh, if you, especially if you're not doing testing, but also that, so that when you write your documentation, you've got this big library of examples for the project that you're working on. All right, so I'll go through all of those one more time. There's five of them. First, take the time to learn how dependency resolution works. Next, write the API before the code. In other words, dream it first. Second, read the roll-up docs while looking at other packages that are using Rollup. Or if you're using ESBuild, read the ESBuild docs while looking at other packages that use ESBuild. Next, take the time to get your dev environment right. So things like watches, um, maybe you want to have a monorepo and making sure it's really easy to um, update the docs. And last, create an examples project, not just for yourself, um, 
but also for your users. I should say, not just for your users, but also for yourself. So there we go. Hope you found this one useful. That's the story of how I've come to build um, the Firebase Composables package. And yeah, a little bit of um, a little bit of advice on how you might want to build your own. So thanks for listening. And remember, there is nothing you can't build. <laughs>